Well, good morning. Yesterday morning, I woke up and got on my phone, which I do oftentimes in the morning just to see what's going on in the world and whether I've received anything I need to respond to. And I got that dreaded message. Maybe you've seen it. It says, storage is full. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when that happens, typically one of the things that happens is your, your phone just slows way, way down, right? And it's hard to do anything. It's also, um, it crashes from time to time uh, because the storage is too full. It doesn't have enough memory to swap the things it needs to do and whatever. Uh, it's just not a good situation when your storage is full. Beyond that, you're not able to save anything new to your phone when your storage is full. And so I can't remember, I can't take any more pictures, I can't do anything else until I go in and delete some of the stuff that's already in there. And I have um, so many things in here <laughs> that you wouldn't believe it. Uh, I, I don't really like to delete things. I like to save things so that I have a record of, of what's happened, of, of text messages that I've received, of emails that I've received. Would you believe uh, that I have 77,000 emails in my Gmail account <laughs> because I know some of you are ready to come up and do an intervention right now. I can see it. You're ready to take my phone and say, we got to fix this problem. <laughs> but I don't like to delete all that. I like to have a record of conversations that I've had. I like to keep note of, of, of things just in case, right? Just in case I ever have to go back and remember that, that four years ago, Dale and I talked about fishing this weekend. I don't know. I don't want to get rid of it. It's hard to get rid of it. And the thing is, the phone actually makes it, makes it easier to do that. They, they give you a button that says, if you'd like to manage your storage, click here. And you click the button, and it says, if you would like to get rid of old conversations, click here. And, and for me, it said, this deleting these old conversations, text messages, etc., um, pictures, attachments, will save you 22 gigs of memory. That's like a third of the space on my phone. Do you think I clicked the button? No, I didn't. Of course I didn't. I spent the next 30 minutes like going one by one through my old messages, trying to find the ones that were the biggest and, and deleting those if I really didn't need them. Sometimes it is so hard to get rid of things that, are, that, that, are, that we carry with us, right? Sometimes it's so hard to get rid of old things that have special memory and meaning to us. Uh, clearly, I've got some more work to do because after that 30 minutes that I spent trying to delete one thing at a time, it only freed up one gig of space, which is like barely enough for my phone to keep working. Um, so there we are. I've still got some more work to do. But that is the point of our sermon today. And, and the message that we're going to look at is that sometimes we have to take the time to get rid of the old and clear out the things that we have been holding on to in order to make space for a new thing that God is doing in our midst. That's what we're going to hear about this morning. And so we are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Rebuild. Rebuild, where we look at where we have been over the last year plus and realize that we've had to rethink a whole lot of things about how we work, how we live, how we function in society. Um, and we have a chance now as the pandemic begins to subside. I know it's not doing that everywhere, but... Uh, thankfully, by God's grace, it is in, in our area, and we're able to see some improvement and do some more things we didn't used to be able to do. Um, so we're in this phase of kind of rebuilding and reimagining what God is up to in our lives. 
And I think that's an opportunity for us. Uh, we, we've, we looked at a, a verse from Isaiah chapter 43. This is going to be kind of the, the theme verse that holds this whole series together. God says this. He says, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? So the story of, of Christ's resurrection, we just sang, he arose. Uh, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of a new thing that God is doing in the world and continues to do today. And so today we're going to look at the ways that we might need to clear out some of our past in order to make way for the new thing that God is doing among us. And so we're going to start by reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And so if, I have, if you have your Bible, I invite you to pull that out now, or you can follow along with the words on the screen. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says this. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been a part of something before as a spectator and just thoroughly enjoyed it and, and, and just enjoyed being able to sit there and, and take it all in and then something changed and something happened and, and all of a sudden you were invited to take a more active role in whatever it was that you had been watching? Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you were on a sports team and you were sitting on the bench and you're just watching the game and all of a sudden the coach called your name and said, hey, get in there, it's time to go. Or maybe you've been at work and you've been at a place where your, your boss maybe took a vacation or, or uh, moved on to something else and it was up to you to kind of fill in and step in and, and take over those and share those responsibilities. Uh, I wonder what that feels like. Um, I've had a, a, a sense of that and I've loved it <laughs> over the last several weeks. Um, but I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that position. That's where the disciples find themselves today. We read from Luke chapter 9, and if we go back to Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus is doing the work that he commanded the disciples to do in chapter 9. He is out, uh, he is, is, is preaching the good news. He is casting out demons. He is healing the sick. There's a story of, of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. There's the story of the, the Gerasene uh, demoniac who Jesus cast the demons out into the pigs and sent them into the, into the water. There's a story of on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, this, this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years approaches Jesus. So, so there's healing. Uh, he goes on to, to not only heal but, but raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And then we get to chapter 9. And Jesus in verse 1, calls the disciples, gives them power to drive out demons and to cure diseases. Chapter 2, uh, he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so it's like Jesus is saying, hey, you've been watching all this time. Now it's your turn. Go and do these things in my name. And as if that weren't 
scary enough. Jesus says, let me tell you something. When you go, don't bring anything with you. Just go. How many of you would be excited for that assignment? That's a lot of pressure, right? Fred's ready. I'll sign you up, Fred. That's awesome. Um, but that's a lot of pressure to see Jesus, what Jesus is doing, and then be to, to be invited to do the same thing in his name. Jesus is doing a new thing, right? Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God, and he invites his disciples to join in that work with him. He says, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Last week, my family traveled uh, to the beach for uh, just for some vacation, for spring break. And we didn't have much of an agenda that week. We weren't really, we didn't have a lot planned. We were just going to have some family time. We were at the beach, so we didn't need a whole lot of clothes. Do you know how big the suitcase was that I brought? Just for me, not like, not my kids, not my wife. Like my suitcase was this big, huge thing. I had all these extra clothes just in case, right? Like, well, I don't know. I might need this third sweater in Hilton Head where it's 80 degrees. I don't know. Just in case, I'm going to put it in there. Jesus says, don't even bring an extra coat. Don't bring a bag. Now, I, that has a little bit extra meaning to, to Jesus' disciples. That would have meant something to them. In Jesus' day, people would go around from town to town and, and preach and proclaim a message of sorts. And they would bring a bag with them and expect that people would donate to their ongoing, continuing ministry. And Jesus says, you know what? Don't even bring that. Like, just go and don't be confused with other people bringing other messages. Just go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Preach and heal people in my name. Now, there's something else going on there when Jesus says, don't bring anything with you. He is expecting that people will be hospitable to his disciples. That is a part of the culture in Jesus' day. It was normal to, and not only normal, but it was expected that you would embrace the stranger or, or, or the traveler or, or, or whoever came to your house. You would embrace them and welcome them with hospitality. People were expected to care for strangers and foreigners and travelers. And so that, that's part of what we see in, in verse 4 when Jesus says, whatever house you enter, just stay there. And the reason he says that is because there was this culture of hospitality. There was this expectation that we would take care of one another. And he's saying some people might be able to take care of you better. Uh, so if you receive a better offer, just go ahead and stay with the first person that asked you to, to come and stay. Don't, don't, search out, don't search for an upgrade. All right? Just go with whoever takes you, stay there, um, and, and appreciate their hospitality. But there's this expectation, again, that there is a culture of hospitality, and there's an expectation as God's people that you will welcome uh, strangers, foreigners, travelers into your home and treat them as if they're one of your own. One of the things that I would love to do at some point in my life, probably when my kids are a little bit older, is to travel, take a, take a spiritual pilgrimage to the Camino de Santiago in Spain. It's a 500-mile it's a trail that winds through Spain, and it's a, it's a spiritual pilgrimage. People go every year. Um, it, it, it's 500 miles long, so if you were to hike 14 miles a day, it would take you 35 days to finish this entire trail. And I have a couple of friends who have done it, and they said, you know, as Americans, it's a little bit difficult to do this because you want to bring everything with you. You want to pack like I packed for the beach, right? Like you want to bring everything just in case. You want to have everything with you that you might need. You want to plan out in advance. I'm going to stop here and here and here and in these towns and at these bed and breakfasts and at these hostels and wherever. 
But one of my friends who went told me, he said, you know, but that's not where the real joy is in this spiritual pilgrimage. The real joy happens when you experience hospitality of the folks who live in the villages along the trail. That's where you really experience this, the, just being able to depend on God, being able to have the faith that God is going to provide for you on this trip. And so you go and you're open to whatever hospitality God provides for you because that's where the joy is. So Jesus tells his disciples, don't take any food, don't take any money, trust that God will provide. Go and preach the kingdom. And again, this kingdom is a new thing for Jesus and for G- in Jesus' day. And, and he says, don't only preach it, but live what you preach. Experience depending on God. Experience the faith that that will build if you let go of all the things that you think you need and just go and preach the good news and heal people in my name. This kingdom that Jesus is talking about, inviting them to experience and to proclaim, is a place where it, it, it proclaims good news to the poor. Proclaims sight to the blind, freedom to the captives. That's how Luke's gospel starts. Jesus reads that scripture from Isaiah and says, it's here in your midst. It's a kingdom where we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. It's a kingdom where Jesus says, blessed are the poor and the meek and those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a kingdom where all needs are met. All needs are met. No one is left wanting or needing anything. People are healed. We do life together. We all have enough. This is the kingdom that Jesus is commissioning his disciples to proclaim is here in Jesus. And to not only proclaim it, but to live it. Don't take anything with you. Trust that God will provide. Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread. This day, right now. God will provide. And he goes on to say this in verse 5. He says, if people don't want to hear about this kingdom, if, he says this, if people don't welcome you, if people don't want to hear the message that you're proclaiming, if they don't want to receive the invitation of the good news, just shake off the dust and move on. The good news, friends, is an invitation to participate in something that God is doing in our midst. But it's not a compulsion. It's not, God doesn't make us participate in the kingdom. He invites us to be a part of it. He invites us to experience how to grow our faith by leaving things behind and by trusting God for what we need. Jesus invites them to come and see. And you know how many times it talks about in the gospel that Jesus says some things that are really difficult to understand. And some people hear these things and they walk away. I don't want a part of that. And Jesus doesn't chase them. Jesus doesn't, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Let me, let me explain it again. Let me, let me tell you about it this way. Or let me, let me tell you, it's not that bad. You don't have to leave everything. Like you can take, go ahead and take that bag. Take that big suitcase. It's okay. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He invites them to participate, 
in the kingdom. He invites them to leave all they have and pick up their cross daily and follow him. He invites all who have ears to hear what the Spirit is up to, to listen. Don't take anything with you. Travel light. Just go. I am doing a new thing. So they went in verse 6. They went out from village to village. It was kind of like I said, it was kind of like a preview or or training for for the post-resurrection when Jesus ascends and leaves all of us to do the work. They had a chance to do it while Jesus was still there. Proclaim the good news. And that might sound scary to you, but I have good news for you as well. In a couple of weeks, Vern and our evangelism team are going to be providing training about how to preach the good news. What does that look like in our day and time? How do we tell people about the good news? How do we tell people about the invitation of God's grace? Well, stay tuned, and throughout the month of May, we'll have some training for evangelism. It's going to be awesome. And so they go, they go from village to village, they proclaim the good news, and they heal people everywhere they go. This was Jesus' work. Preach the good news, bring healing all the way to the cross where we hear the ultimate good news of salvation for all who believe in Christ and healing even through death. The disciples were invited to to leave everything and follow, take nothing with them and proclaim and witness to the healing that they were experiencing themselves and seeing in their midst, the new things that God was doing among them. I wonder what would that look like for us to do that today, to to leave behind anything that we feel like we need to cling to in terms of security or or the way we've done things or whatever it is that that we need to let go of in order to clear space for what God is doing right now and go wherever God calls us and proclaim good news and and, and wherever we went there would be healing our world is so in need of good news our world is so in need desperately of healing just this week we had another mass shooting the candle is lit again on the altar We've got continued racial unrest in the, in the wake of the George Floyd trial and, and Dante Wright and, and Adam Toledo's deaths. And so what does it look like for us to preach good news in the face of such tragedy? What does it look like for us to, to bring healing to those situations? I think one good first easy step, honestly, for all of us is to listen rather than blame, to listen to people who are hurting and just be a listening ear to hold that grief with them through it. That's a good first step. But what does it look like for the kingdom to be breaking in even in the midst of that, to to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim sight to the blind, healing? Uh, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. What does it look like for us Christians, for us Christians at Boone UMC to be a a proclaimer of good news, to be somebody who brings healing in our community and in our world? What does it look like to be a part of the kingdom work that God is doing? What do we need to clear out from our past in order to make room for the new thing 
that God is doing in our midst? What attitudes or what, what patterns of thinking do we need to set aside in order to, to listen and respond and to see things from a kingdom perspective, perhaps a new perspective? What relationships do we need to let go of to make room for what God is doing in our midst? As we rebuild coming out of this pandemic, what are some old ways of doing things that we might have realized need to be changed going forward? And what are we willing to, to let go in order that something new might be born? How might God be inviting us to spend our time and our money and our resources differently in light of all that we've experienced this past year and more? How might God be inviting us to, to take a step in faith in the direction of the kingdom, trusting that God will provide? Trusting that there is more than what we've experienced in the past. I want to mention one practical way that we might enter into that work of letting go and emptying ourselves in order to be filled by God's Spirit and attentive to God's new work in our midst. It's a spiritual discipline, and it's one that maybe some of you have practiced over, over different times. We just came through the season of Lent, and Lent is a great time to practice spiritual disciplines. The one I want to talk about this morning is fasting. Fasting traditionally is going without, a lot of times food, but it can be other things too, in order that we might be more attentive to what God is doing in the world. And the Bible talks about fasting all throughout, and it usually comes at important times in people's lives or in the community of God's, uh, in the community's life together with God. In Exodus, Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments. In Esther, the book of Esther, Esther fasted before she went before the king to, to plead for them on behalf of God's people. In Acts, the apostles fasted before they selected uh, who was going to be a part of the disciples going forward. And Jesus, of course, fasted as well. He spent, at the beginning of, of Luke's gospel, you hear that he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and preparing for public ministry. There's a part in the, the, there's a part in the gospel of Matthew where Jesus talks about fasting, and he says, when you fast, so first of all, he says, when you do it, he expects that we will do this spiritual discipline. And I guess before I get that, let me, let me just say that fasting is not something that we do because Jesus said do it. It's something that we do because we want to draw closer to the living God and we want to acknowledge that God is moving and living and active in our midst and we want to be more attentive to that instead of the things that hold us down, instead of the baggage that we carry around, instead of those big suitcases. He, we, we set that stuff aside just like Jesus told the disciples and go and listen to how God is moving in our midst. And in the section where Jesus talks about fasting, he says, when you do it, don't tell anybody, just go ahead and do it. And spend time in prayer by yourself and be attentive to what the Spirit is doing. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for us. And, and, and in that section, Jesus says, and there are actually rewards. He said, don't worry about looking good for other people. Your rewards will come from our Father who is in heaven. 
And I, I can just speak from my own experience, the rewards that I've experienced from, from fasting. I've, I've noticed, and for my fasting, I'm talking about going without food for, for a time. And don't do this, like, without, don't be crazy. Like, don't, let's say I'm going to fast for 30 days. Like, no, 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 don't do that. Like, be reasonable. Talk to your doctor. Make sure it's okay to skip a meal here and there. Um, but do it in a way that when you're doing that time, when you, normally whenever you would be eating, take that time to set aside and pray. And be attentive to God's spirit. And that is the reward in itself. It's the attentiveness to God's presence. But I know as I've done that, uh, as I've fasted in the past, I have been more mindful of those who are chronically hungry. I have been more grateful for God's provision in my life as I've gone without, as I've set aside in order to be present to what God is doing now. I've been more aware of the ways that God has been present all along, and God is present even now doing a new thing. I've been more aware of God's presence. Every time I think, man, I'm hungry, I also think, okay, God, what do you have to say to me now? What are you up to? So I want to commend the practice of the spiritual discipline of fasting to you, particularly in, in, in this season that we're in the midst of right now. We're in the midst of a pastoral transition. We're in the midst of God doing exciting things in our midst. So let's pray and let's fast and let's be attentive to what those things are in order that we might respond as we always have. Our church is a responsive church. We respond to God's spirit and we follow the direction that God is leading. We follow the vision that God has set for us. And so let's continue doing that now. It's so important in this season that we do. I mentioned that I spent a half an hour deleting pictures and videos from my phone, and it was because I wanted to hold on to those memories, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But I have to find a way to set those aside and to to back them up. If you know how to do that, come talk to me after the service. We'll we'll figure it out together. Um, I have to figure out a way to travel lighter, in order that I can take new pictures. I can take new videos of things that are happening around me. I can be attentive to what's happening right now, today. And if I don't take time to set that out, to clear it aside, to make space, I won't be able to continue the story of life that God is leading me through and you through. And I wonder this morning how many of us experience faith Mostly by looking backwards. I wonder how how many of us remember a time where there was some kind of a mountaintop experience, like our baptism or our confirmation or the first time we went on a mission trip or a, a spiritual retreat that we went on and we go, wow, God was really active and present then. And we take a picture of it. And we record it in a video and we might write it down in our journal. And now all these years later, we still look back to that as the time when God was really moving in our lives. And I wonder as we do that, I wonder what we might be missing out on right now that God is doing even right now in our midst. And don't get me wrong, those experiences are incredibly important. Those things, those videos that I have on my phone and my kids when they're like this big, like they're important. Those experiences that we have that shape us spiritually, baptism, confirmation, retreats, those are important. 
They're important markers of God's faithfulness so that we can remember those things in the past and remember that God is active and present now, even today. That's why those things are so important. They build a foundation of faith and trust. They allow us to say, okay, God, you were faithful back then when it looked like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to take another step. I didn't know where to go. You were faithful then. And so right now, I'm going to trust that you are being faithful even today as well. Because faith isn't just about something that happened back then. It's not, even, even faith in Christ isn't about what happened 2,000 years ago. That's important. It changed the course of human history. But Jesus, the, the story of the resurrection didn't stop at the empty tomb. That was just the first fruits of God making all things new for us and for eternity. Faith is also about what God is doing right now. And so what do we need to clear out in order that we might make space for the new thing to grow? The Spirit is continually moving in our midst. God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm really excited for this, and I hope I'm, don't, I'm not getting ahead of myself but in, in telling you about this. But we are planning for a revival this summer um, in June, in the month of June. I feel like this is, we've been building for this for a long time. And I feel like this is part of the new thing that God is doing in our midst. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be outside. Um, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's the teaser. Um, stay tuned. God is doing a new thing in our midst. And I think God has been preparing us for this moment through everything that we've gone through. God has been inviting us to say, hey, look at the ways that God has been faithful in the past and know that God is faithful right now in this moment to do something new and to take us into the next chapter of Boone United Methodist Church, to take us into the next chapter of faithfulness in following God. And so I just invite you again and encourage you to be a part of, of praying, of fasting, of paying attention to what God is doing in our midst, recognizing God's faithfulness in the past and trusting that God is with us in the future. Behold, I am doing a new thing. May we have ears and eyes and hearts to respond to it. Amen.